folks, how are we doing today? My guest is going to be Samuel Bernhardt. Sam has a PhD in chemistry and is currently working on design and synthesis of novel microbacterium agents for pulmonary disease for his Siri Therapeutics. He has had multiple papers published, and in this episode, we discuss not only Sam's work, but what it takes day in and day out to be successful in the field. I hope you enjoy Sam's journey of failures and successes so far, and please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Thanks and enjoy. We are now rolling. Mr. Bernhard, nice. what's up, brother? How you doing, my man? Doing good. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you, sir, for uh, taking the time. I know you uh, got a lot going on up there, trying not to freeze to death up in Montana. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of moved through. It was crazy this weekend in Park City. It was like, it's like this, this morning, the high is like, I don't know, 13. Well, it's crazy. Yep. It's starting to like Forget warm about up it. a little bit. But how much snow did you guys get up there? Oh, there's a solid foot out back right now. Um, it was it was negative six when we woke up. Uh, was that Sunday morning, Monday morning? That's crazy. It's insane for late October. Yeah, is that that's not no? Is that the usual? Is that the I usual? Don't, I, don't I, even mean, know. I guess it, it kind of goes through. Nor- it doesn't seem normal. Yeah, I guess it kind of goes through up here. We'll get some some early spurts of like snow. You know, we already we already it already snowed in like September or something like that. I want to say. Mm-hmm. yeah but on to you my man glad to hear that you're, you're right. doing well um really been uh, excited about uh getting this one on the can and getting a chat with you about what's uh, going on and hoping hoping to learn a lot because you know unlike uh me you're actually uh out there trying to uh trying to make a difference and trying to save some people's lives and come up with some cool shit <laughs> so currently you're uh, working on some um uh, design and synthesis of a novel microbacterium agents for pulmonary disease. Mm-hmm. How did that sound? Was that was that fairly accurate? Oh, uh, you're on you're on point, Bob. You're <laughs> on point. Perfect. Um, All right. Yeah, I mean, basically, the the bottom line, what I do is, uh, you know, the first stages in developing a new medicine are, it's kind of like the shotgun approach, right? You got to make all sorts of different things with the hopes that you'll get. Uh, get some things that work, right? As mm-hmm. you find things that work that might might potentially be decent medicines, you start to focus on uh, key characteristics of those medicines, moving moving towards hopefully eventually getting something that will, will help some people. And so uh, a lot of what I do is producing uh, lots and lots of new medicines uh, that could potentially help. And uh, we've had some that hit that appear like they could be very promising, so. That's super. I mean, that's really, really exciting to try to come up with something that that promising and, and be able to make those those kind of changes. So mm-hmm. going in and kind of the bacterium agents for pulmonary disease for those out there, like more more of like layman terms. What what is that? Um, yeah. So you think about what tuberculosis is. Uh, I'm not I'm not actually working towards tuberculosis. I'm working towards what I, I kind of consider a, a bacterial cousin of tuberculosis. Um, Amoebium is the name of that bacteria, but, um, you know, they live in your lungs and, uh, in, in the case of tuberculosis, it can live for, uh, extended periods of time without actually affecting you, without you being aware that you're infected. Um, treatment right now is horrific, uh, nine months, 18 months, uh, you know, of, of taking like heavy doses of a lot of different pharmaceuticals in order to, to get treated for that. It's, it's a, it's a bad deal. And, um, this disease, amavium, uh, sometimes is 
misdiagnosed as TB. So you go through this right. horrific tuberculosis treatment and find yourself still infected because you've been treating the wrong uh, illness. Um, so so it's, it's not as prolific as TB, but it's, it's a huge issue and we're working to hopefully help sort that out. So how does that kind of uh, start? How do you kind of, how could someone get that? And how much more rare is that compared to like tuberculosis to get? I have no idea. Okay. These are great questions, Bob. These are great questions. So and what is avium is what it is? Uh, mycobacterium avium. Mycobac- a- mycobacterium avium. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the... The agents, what, so, so kind of what do you go in and kind of uh, attack with that? What's, what's like the plan of attack? I don't know what you mean, Bob. <laughs> I'm so you're, you're trying to come up with something that uh, essentially shortens the treatment for people, right? Or is going to, you know, instead of 18 months of horrific um, time in the hospital and stuff like that, um, what, what, what will shorten it? What will kind of, um, what will take care of the disease or what's kind of the, the thought process? Well, sure. So we're, we're working on new treatments, right? The new idea is, is okay. addressing treatment in a, in a new way. And, and this is the same sort of approach that is used with any new pharmaceutical. Um, you know, we have some compounds that are active. So what I do, like my job is really just strictly making these things. You know, okay. So I make new compounds that uh, we test to determine how active they are against our target bacteria. And then we also look to see, you know, ideally we can hit the bacteria without affecting, uh, you know, the person, you know, without any side effects. So essentially like with you go through and you get chemotherapy or um, cancer treatment and something like that, this will essentially just attack that area and like one of the side effects of chemotherapy is like your hair falls out you're weak and stuff like that and this so this sort of treatment not it just narrows in on the area that is like specifically um needs the treatment i guess right well i mean you know cancer is a special case right Right. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the treatments for that methotrexate whatever whatever we're using these days uh, monoclonal antibodies but like a lot of with cancer treatment you know, we're just, we're killing fastly dividing cells, rapidly dividing cells. And so the, the unfortunate side effect of that is, is we're killing, you know, hair follicle cells. We're killing lining of your stomach. We're killing, you know, the, the reason your fingernails and toenails start popping off is, is because the pharmaceuticals that you're taking are doing their job. Mm -hmm. And we just simply, in in that case, hope that we can kill the tumor before we kill the patient Mm -hmm. and then rebuild afterwards with, um, with diseases, you know, bacteria, uh, whatnot. Um, the goal is, is what can we do to kill the bacteria without, uh, impacting the, the patient at all? Right. You know, and that, that's obviously the goal is, is you take this thing and it has no influence on the, the patient. That's awesome. I mean, that's so cutting edge and it's very, uh, it's very cool. How fu- how much of an impact have, have you kind of seen as, as long as you've gone kind of uh down this path what got you down like this this kind of uh path um well i mean i don't know a decade ago 2000 2008 i started college right uh Mm. totally directionless uh no idea what i was doing i started you know i went through like five degrees i came i came to montana state as an art student 
Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so obviously I had no idea what I was doing. And, uh, uh, you know, when you take a look at it, I, and I did at some point I said, well, you know, what is the goal? What's the point of this degree, this, this direction that I'm taking? And I couldn't really find any answer to that question with what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you look at, uh, I, I went through several degrees. It was kind of just like, I was trying to get through college any way that it was gonna, gonna get completed. Right. But then, but then you start to look at the goals, like why, what, what is the value of this? And, and, uh, chemistry seemed to be accessible to me. And I found, I found a very cool lab to work in at the time. It was a, it was a, a lab researching, carbohydrate and protein binding interactions, uh, with the goal of studying cancer processes. Mm-hmm. So, so binding interactions, that lab, sorry. Okay. What, so, uh, carbohydrate binding interactions. What, what is that? Is that same thing like, uh, layman terms in cancer patients? Um, yeah. So you're going to have to talk to me like I'm a child. And form these, what Bob? I said, you're going to have to talk to me like I'm a child. You are a child, Bob. <laughs> Um, when a tumor starts to form, mm-hmm. right. Part of what it does is it clumps together. It, it grows, you know, and it, it is uh, dividing atypically differently from your regular cells mm-hmm. and those tumor cells clump together, right? This is why we get these tumors. Uh, yep. Part of what they do is, is they hijack your currently existing, uh, you know, blood vessels in order to fuel themselves but they also create their own blood vesicles, uh, you know, tubes within the tumor. Okay. And so a lot, a lot of what that is, is uh, proteins on the surface of these cells start to change. They become fundamentally different from healthy mammalian human cells. Mm-hmm. And one of those proteins that becomes exposed allows these cells to stick together better. Okay. Uh, or potentially worse, right? So in the context of lung tumors, right? One of, one of the big issues, and, uh, you know, I, I assume we've made some progress on this, is is very hard to operate on because you get into the lung and this tumor just kind of poof, breaks apart. Um, and then all of a sudden it's metastasized. Now you have lung cancer growing in all different parts of your body because it's, you know, gone through your lung tissue into your blood system and uh, yeah. taken up root wherever it takes up root. Uh, so it has sort of weak affinity. It, it, it doesn't stick as well. Okay. Whereas other tumors, those in your, uh, your GI tract, for example, they stick together uh, differently. Mm-hmm. And so what, what, what we were doing is studying that the stickiness, the way that they bind together, these different cells come together using proteins that are exposed on the surface of the cell, as well as, um, uh, sugar-coated proteins also on the cell, right? So they're, they're kind of sticking together like Velcro, you could imagine. Yeah. Um, and my, my, my work there, which was, uh, you know, the tail end of my undergraduate degree as well as uh, grad school was making, making these polymers that disrupted or impacted the, the binding between various cells, uh, okay. cancer-specific cells. So kind of made it more, so trying to make it more slippery, not stick, not kind of Velcro in as much or. I mean, I, I think that the, the goal overarchingly is to better understand those binding interactions. Okay. Um, okay. But I, I could also imagine long view being able to use this technology in order to make 
uh, surgical removal of tumors easier. Mm -hmm. So is that fun? Like kind of being able to create and go through, uh, and to, to, I mean, it's such like a, a puzzle you're trying to, to figure out. Is it, or is it just like infuriating? <laughs> yeah, it's both. So both. it's certainly okay. both. Um, yeah, I always, I always like, I actually, I don't like watching CSI, but you get, you get those like, you know, montage moments where they're in the lab and it's like the coolest thing. Everything's bright colors. Everything's moving fast. They're popping stuff into an instrument and magical right. data is coming out on the other end. It's, uh, is probably not a surprise, but it's not like that. Um, Damn. I know. Right. <laughs> I always wanted to film like a little video of like, you know, actual lab time and then a day in the life. <laughs> yeah. And then speed it up, get some like crazy music going. And, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of what it is, is trial and error. A lot of what it is, is coming to the lab every day and just trying to, to get through a little hurdle, whatever that hurdle is. Um, you're just up against something all the time. And that's kind of the life of, you know, a scientist doing something that's new, unexplored is, um, there's a reason it's unexplored is because, you know, there are challenges that haven't been addressed yet. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of what's cool about that, especially, especially looking at it retrospectively, like I can look back and be like, oh, that was so cool when I did that one thing that worked. Right. You had the breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and well, you, you, you kind of get those, mm -hmm. but the other nine, 10, 12 months out of the year that you're just beating your head against the wall in the moment, it feels brutal. Yeah. I can but imagine. Then, I mean, that's gotta be crazy. I mean, you spend nine months of your time, you're trying to, to, finally get that breakthrough and nothing's nothing's working well i mean yeah so there's uh uh my my most recent publication which came out of uh uh you know that that work that i started in grad school mm -hmm. um so we just published that earlier this year and i started that project in the fall of 2013 okay wow and so that's that's a solid six seven year block Mm -hmm. in between starting a project and completion. Yeah. Um, it took me, it took me almost three years to get a completed synthesis. Uh, so in order to make the polymer that I've been talking to you about, mm -hmm. uh, it took me, it took me three years to make my first one properly. Um, wow. Part of that was, this was unexplored. The other part of that was, um, well, skill and technique development on my end but right you got to learn part of you know, I mean, it's all part of the learning process in there as well yeah absolutely and i was able to go to i went to berlin for a little while um to train under some some people working on similar problems at the free university in berlin and and so i was able to work with them for a while and that kind of that represented a significant breakthrough for me in terms okay. of being able to get them done okay so Going through and what was that kind of, was that a little bit like eye-opening? Because I mean, do they operate uh, differently than here in the States when they're going through? I mean, they have a different uh, kind of plan of attack when they're going through kind of dealing with those uh, polymers and stuff like that. Well, I think that they, the, the Germans have a very different approach in general and, and maybe I shouldn't generalize like that, but the, the research group that I worked in had a very different approach than anything I'd seen before. Um, what was so different? Well, I'll get into that. Um, <laughs> generally, so the, the, the lab environment that I, I grew up in, you, do, you, you start a project and you do mm -hmm. all of the parts of the project. I mean, and for me, I was, I was working on synthesis, uh, making the polymers. 
And then I was going down the, the rabbit hole of testing them, see how they worked. That meant that I was working all of a sudden uh, uh, doing uh, biological experiments. I was creating the proteins that we were studying using E. coli as an expression vector. So uh, what that means is you trick a certain E. coli strain into generating the protein that you want to study. Okay. And then you purify that protein away from E. coli. Okay. Right. So, so something totally outside of my experience, but I was able to, you know, because it was a, of, of the dynamic of the lab and because uh, of the nature of the project, I got to do a huge amount of different work. Right. I mean, is that pretty exciting being able to, cause it's, I mean, it sounds like it kind of gets you out of your comfort zone. It, it keeps things interesting. That's for sure. You yeah. know? Um, and, and that was fundamentally the opposite of how those in the lab in Germany handled it. Okay. They, they generated very, very specialized scientists. So um, if I had trouble with a certain, certain type of experiment, uh, I would go to a, a certain person. But even within the same framework of the same project, if I had a different problem, I needed to go to an entirely different person, possibly in a different uh, lab, different room, different area, because hmm. that is, uh, I needed to talk to a different person who had specialized in that different area. So it's much, much more specific and much less generalized than here. So that's okay. correct. So they each they each had and and you know their their method turned over a ton of work because rather than being sort of uh, buried in in all of the minutia of a single project, they're mm-hmm. just turning through something they know very well okay. uh, within many, many, many projects. Right. So they have a bunch of different people kind of rotating in, and they're specific on their one part of. <clears throat> whatever that project is, they have one specific thing that they're, they're working on. Absolutely. And so I, I found myself in Germany. Uh, most of what that was, was just interviewing different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I did, I did some science, I did some experiments, but most of the time I spent, you know, locating people who had an expertise in a certain area, uh, figuring out what they knew that I didn't know. And there was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finding ways to apply that new knowledge to my project. That's super. I mean, that's got to be super exciting and kind of eye-opening of of just the differences there. And then it's like, okay, I mean, did that um, kind of change your mind a little bit and being like, okay, I need to be sharp in the one area that I'm focused on and and, and kind of more interested in learning about. I mean, does it make it easier if you're the one guy that knows about uh, that part of the project when you're going through? Yes and no. I think that okay. the, the huge issue, Bob, is, is, is the job market right now, right? Yeah, um, sure. You know, and, and most of the jobs I've been interviewing lately, a little bit, trying to find some new work. And uh, having sort of a diverse skill set is way more valuable, I think, in the eyes of employers, especially around here. Um, okay. You know, I can say, hey, yeah, I've got, I've got experience in these things that you need help with, mm-hmm. um, rather than, say, pigeonholing myself in a specific uh, area. Okay. Right. There's not, unfortunately in the, in, uh, uh, Bozeman here, there's not a terrible amount of work in the stuff that I've specifically trained to do. Right. But all of the sort of multidisciplinary stuff, being able to say, yes, I have experience with this or that because my project took me through the weeds on so many different Mm -hmm. uh, topics. It gives me the opportunity to, to speak on on many different techniques and ideas. And so I think that in that, in that sense, it's been really good. 
Right. No, that's, I mean, that sounds like it's been, it's been really good for you. And then also, I mean, how much has changed just in the last year with everything going on with COVID? I mean, now are you, are you, I mean, everyone's kind of had to play a little bit of catch up. So can you work more remotely on some of the things for, for different people in Germany or in the U S and be able to work out of the, the lab? Cause MSU has a pretty good lab up there, right? Well, we have, we have a wonderful uh, lab arrangement, but unfortunately there's almost nothing I can do uh, remotely. Okay. Why um, is that? And, well, cause everything's in, in my hood, in my workspace, right? Okay. Right. Uh, my entire my entire job the, the the goal set is make these compounds make these uh, mm-hmm. potential mycobacterium uh, inhibitors and there's almost nothing I can do from home I can mm-hmm. make sure that my notes are organized I can maybe write up some stuff but 99% of what I do is in front of the hood and you know working with the chemicals purifying things like that that's all done on site. No, but, I, but I, I'm saying, so f- working, obviously you have to be able to go into the lab in MSU to be able to, to work on it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm mm-hmm. saying, can you do that up there and have it for someone in East coast or, you know, the work that you're doing there? That's what I'm saying. Can that, how much has that kind of changed since you've. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, okay. Well, let, let me just say that uh, the, the compounds that I make aren't tested in house. Uh, okay. So, gotcha. right. My job ends at making them, make it, making days. the compound and then they're, they're shipping out. They're going. Yep. And then I okay. ship them to, we have a collaborator at Notre Dame. We have a collaborator, uh, actually the, the people who I, I work for in Japan. So I, mm-hmm. I work and I'm funded by a pharmaceutical company in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so most of my compounds go and are shipped there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're getting shipped out. They're moving out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's absolutely. Cool. Yeah, that's exciting. So when's the trip to, uh, I guess, uh, COVID's kind of messing some stuff up here. Hopefully the vaccine uh, right after the election, I'm sure it'll be good to go. So you'll be able to travel, <laughs> we'll to, uh, travel to Japan soon. So, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's kind of an interesting path to get into to uh, chemistry. It's one of those things that I would not I mean, I would certainly, even if I'm like, okay, I kind of like art and I like um, uh, athletics and some of those things. I mean, I wouldn't think that that chemistry would be the thing to really kind of um, make me go, yeah, I think I'm, you know, it, it always went over my head. I guess, you know, simple minded over here, apparently. But for you, I mean, was it just the ability to to kind of create? Because you've always got a very uh, creative and... Uh, thought detailed, uh, kind of mind. So is that, that kind of what enticed you into chemistry? I think so. I mean, I, I always had the sort of the grades and the, uh, capacity to understand it more or less, but you know, what, what was exciting was exactly that. It was this, uh, ability to create new things, understand, um, you know, I really liked, uh, you know, what I did like about art was you're making, there's an element of creativity. There's an element of development. Um, mm-hmm. When I when I first came in as a, as an art student, my, I, I really liked ceramics, and I'd I'd make these. You know, my my big thing was teapots. Um, you know, you you have all the little fixtures on the teapot, the handle, the spout, whatever, and so you get to design each one of these pieces, and they each have a a, a very specific function, and their form dictates how they handle. Um, 
you know, whether it pours well or poorly, or if you can even hold the thing, who knows. Um, and I, I think that that's very similar to how I think about organic chemistry. Um, okay. Right. So without getting function. into too much, I'm sorry, go ahead. Everything's got a function and how Absolutely. do you go it, in it and make a, it work? purpose a reason to be there um without getting into too much detail about the the specific structures of the compounds that i'm making um there are there's there's a couple of different sections right so i can build uh section a and section b uh independently and they will have uh various structural differences they, their form is different than the previous ones that i've made mm -hmm. yeah and so uh i can i can make variations to section A or section B. And then when I tack them all together, they, they come together into one single compound. Um, and now we have a huge variety of structural differences. So okay. then the question becomes, how does it perform compared with previously analyzed uh, structures that are similar or different? This right. is, gives us a good sense of, uh, you know, where to move forward, how things might change or be different. And I, I find that that is very similar to the creative direction that, that I uh, looked at in art. Looked for yeah, in art. absolutely. For sure. How long, so creating that compound and going through and how long does that process take? Does it vary each, each time when you're adding new things in and kind of taking some stuff out that maybe didn't work? I mean, what's, what's that process usually like? Yeah. So right now, um, my more difficult sequences take, uh, it's, it's like a, a four or five reaction series. So they're fairly short, um, generally to, to get pure compound. I'd say it's maybe, maybe two to three weeks per compound. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and you can run a few of those at the same time. So I'm, 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 my goal is to generate between about 10 and 20 new molecules every month wow sounds like a lot it feels like a lot it's been a struggle especially with the the weird hours that we need to keep these days um mm -hmm. but so that's that's my goal now in grad school it was a it was a more difficult longer synthesis and those i mean it took me three years to make my first one um in grad school that's crazy. I mean, what, so, I mean, what type of, of perseverance kind of goes into that? Cause there's gotta be times where it's super frustrating. Like you said, you're hitting, you know, you're spending nine months and this thing, I mean, three years to see that come full circle. I mean, how pumped were you when that thing was, you finally created it. <laughs> oh, it was huge. It was yeah. so exciting. Um, yeah. And the thing, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to just make it, but you need to also be able to prove and demonstrate that what you say you have is what you have. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's not just making it, but it's also having data that agrees with the statement, oh, I made it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that was one of the biggest struggles because I thought I had made it several times previously, um, but being able to prove it in a way that is uh, reproducible and uh, can be understood by the general scientific community is, is, is the harder part. Okay, yeah, that um, makes sense. And with these, with these compounds, it was, it required me to, you know, kind of think outside the box, make some new, uh, some movements in new directions for the lab. Uh, we'd been, we'd been using mass spec specifically for studying these, uh, for, for characterizing these polymers, making sure that they were what we said, but that didn't work with my compounds. And, um, and what is that mass spec? 
So that's, um, it is a class of methods and instrumentation that allows you to understand the size characteristics, the mass of okay. the compounds that you're making. Gotcha. You can imagine this is important for polymers because they can be big, they can be little. <laughs> right. And being yeah, able to see definitely. specifically what that polymer size is, is pretty critical for uh, knowing what you have, especially because most of our uh, studies were about how big is our polymer and how does the, how, how are the differences in sizes going to influence that uh, carbohydrate binding uh, interaction. So how'd you have to work around that? Um, so there was a, there was a 1980s, like a super old, super beat up piece of equipment that had been sitting in the hallway of the building that I was working in for as long as the building had been around. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it seemed to me that this new method, it was, it was a method actually that the Germans used was going to be the answer to my problems here. But we had, uh, you know, the budget wasn't there to get anything special and I needed some proof of concept before anybody was going to throw any money at this idea I had. So, so I took this busted up piece of equipment from the hallway and uh, rebuilt it, made it work, um, which that was something of a, a huge project. Um, a lot of creativity. What's up? See, I said, that's some creativity. Let's see this hunk of junk in the hallway and see if we can get it to, uh, to produce. Well, something. it's kind of become my, my like niche thing. Right. So uh, a lot of what I do now uh, is I, I think one of, one of the things that makes me an asset in the lab is, is that when things break, you know, I'm there to take them apart, fix them, put them back together. And uh, uh, that was the start of that. It was a 1980s waters HPLC and it had, it had all sorts of seal problems. It had piston problems. And um, what was cool is I got to learn everything about how it worked. Uh, you know, why is every little part in this instrument? What does it do? Where, you know, and I uh, was able to rebuild it and, and turn it into a usable piece of equipment. That's super cool. I wish, I wish that I had those, uh, those talents and abilities. That's, that's, but that's also like a yearning for knowledge that you've kind of always had. I mean, you've always um, been, had that curiosity for sure. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's super cool. And then it worked. How rewarding was that? Oh, it's huge. <laughs> yeah. It's huge. That's rad. Um, and so some of, some of the data from that is actually got, got published in this paper in, in, I don't remember, May when it came out i think yeah so and then you have another paper that you just uh submitted as well right didn't you have one uh, it got in, like, it July? got accepted on friday oh dang congratulations man yeah thank you so we got uh we still need to prove it before it gets published but it should be uh should be good to go and then what is that uh what is that paper on similar stuff looking at uh carbohydrate protein binding interactions um mm -hmm. And so the, the way I want to address what, what this is about is you can imagine, um, you know, with Velcro, Velcro is like the go-to analogy here. Any individual hook and loop is extremely weak, mm -hmm. right? So if you, you know, one, one little hook and loop in Velcro, it's not going to do its job, but right. all of a sudden you have uh, whole strips of Velcro with many hooks, many loops that are coming together. And as, as the Velcro shifts, maybe some are breaking uh, apart, but others are being created. So it stays together. Mm -hmm. um, and this is happening on the molecular level with these carbohydrate uh, protein binding interactions. 
So there are many proteins and they are coming together and interacting with many carbohydrates, uh, each on the surface of cells or in, in all sorts of different uh, biological contexts. And you can imagine that there are different strengths of these hook and loops, right? You could have a single that is so strong, uh, a single hook and loop that is so strong that you could never get them apart. Mm -hmm. Uh, which functionally isn't very useful, but is is interesting on a molecular level. Right. And you could compare that to hundreds and hundreds of very weak interactions, uh, as is the case in Velcro. And and so the the paper that's coming out right now is is it in a lot of ways it is a a methods paper. It's a it's a proof of concept using this new instrument to study the strength of those binding interactions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's pretty exciting. So how long was that process for this, uh, for this last uh, paper? Because I know you had a, a, a large amount of time for the last uh, couple. Well, this one was interesting because it really wasn't my project to begin with. Okay. Um, the, the instrument itself is sort of the cornerstone to this new project. I had very little to do with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this instrument that is, is very new, very, uh, very exciting is not something I had anything to do with the production of. Okay. Uh, I came into the project in order to make some, some molecules that needed to be made in, just for the, for the scope of the study. Right. Um, and it became my project. At some point, it was no longer, there are these people who are doing their instrumentation work and I'm over here making compounds. At some point, it, it just became me doing you know, both parts. I'm making compounds. I'm seeing how they bind. Very cool. Um, and so I think that I, I started that project somewhere in the 2015-ish area. Okay. Um, but it, but it, it had some legs before that for a number of years as this instrument was being built. Uh, I think that the biggest issue, and, and and I'm not I'm not so sure that projects should take as long as they've taken me. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> um, but in this case, my my biggest hurdle was computer issues, if you can imagine. Okay. Um, what kind as, of issues? As we grow into this new era of uh, you know cybersecurity issues mm-hmm. and what can and can't be on the internet because of data, uh, you know, hackers and whatever. Uh, a lot of old instrumentation is no longer compatible with the digital infrastructure at the university, Oof. which is, which is a huge struggle. You have yeah. these, these computers that are married to these instruments, right? And you have this one software that's got this license that is 900 years old and there's no way around that because it's the only software that's going to run this instrument. Um, but that computer is no longer uh, allowed to be on the internet because it is, uh, you know, it's data obsolete. The, yeah. The hardware can't accept the new software. So it can't be on the internet is, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm no computer guy, but, <laughs> and that's part of the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to, I had to sort of dive into computer related stuff in order to continue to keep this instrument running. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds this. like, I mean, it sounds like a lot of problem solving. I mean, it sounds like it's a lot life of, of a scientist, man. Life of a scientist. That's for sure. Yep. You always uh, enjoy, I mean, enjoy some problem solving. I mean, you kind of have to, right? I mean, that's the day in, day out. Well, I mean, f- for you, I mean, does that kind of just speak a little bit to your, 
personality, just the fact that, I mean, every day it's almost like you're failing a little, right? You have to, you, I mean, the perseverance sounds so extreme of going through, but then you get the high of that breakthrough, you know, of it's not working. It's not working. I got to, I got to pivot. I got to adapt. I got to change my method. I got to try this. And then boom, it finally clicks. I mean, that click just has to be unreal. <laughs> it's exciting when it happens. Uh, yeah. A lot of the time it doesn't feel like that, you know, um, cause it's not, it's not one monumental breakthrough. It's, it's yeah. 500 little ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and so much of that is, I always feel like the idea of a breakthrough is it, it sounds like chance, you know, like, but it's not yeah. when you try something 500 different ways and like 15 of them work pretty well. And then you take those 15 different, um, you know, things that you tried and, and branch out from there. It's, it's really just about optimization more so mm-hmm. than it okay. is. Um, you know, there, there's, you vary just a little bit every time and you vary it in a very controlled and understood way and see if it's better things mm-hmm. are, it's, 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 especially in chemistry, I can't speak to anywhere else, but it's, it's on a continuum. continuum. Things don't, mm-hmm. it's not all or nothing. It's like 60% or 58%. Right. You know, so you take your 60% and build from there. Mm-hmm. And eventually you get to somewhere that looks a little better than 60%. So you're constantly kind of just, it's those small baby steps, constantly changing, constantly getting just that, so, you know, uh, getting that 1% kind of uh, better each and each and every day or, or different, you know. That's exactly right. And that's that's how I try to think about it is it's, it's not like you try and fail uh, continuously uh, right. until you get it. You you have partial successes all the time. OK. And how do you how do you delineate between a good partial success and a better partial success? Mm-hmm. Um that makes sense. It's probably a better way than looking at it than like constantly like failing because that one, that one baked breakthrough does come, but it's from every day of kind of slowly building. And, but it is like a lot of, of learning every each and every day, right? That 1% better. It's like, okay, now I know that this method is going to be a little bit better than, than the last. I mean, just the experience that you've had so far compared to, uh, or I guess that I should say that you built so far compared to like where you started at this has just got to be, I mean, monumental. Absolutely. I mean, and I think that that's true of everything in life is like, you just take these little bits every day and you say, Mm -hmm. Hey, this is an improvement over yesterday. And that's a success. Yeah. Um, That's, that's what I look for on the day to day. Is that kind of some advice you would have for, you know, if people are going to, if this is a path they want to go down, they want to get into some uh, chemistry. What, what would you, uh, what would you tell them? Absolutely. And I mean, I, I don't have any students right now. I have some people in various labs that I go in and help. Uh, mm-hmm. And what I, what I always try to show them, and this is maybe a, a, a specific example, but I always make sure that they're running two things at a time. You know, if you have two reactions that you can run at a time and you're only varying one, um, one variable. Now, side by side, you can see the difference between these two things. Mm-hmm. It no longer, you, you can cut out everything else and just say, what is the difference here? Um, you know, but like if I had just general advice for people getting into the field is that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what it is, is it's taking these little wins on the day-to-day basis instead of looking, it's, it's daunting when you look at a project that I, you know, can last for six, seven years. Right. 
to try to take it all in holistically. But if you can grab a little bit here and a little bit there, um, inevitably at some point you make it to uh, a final product that you can be happy with. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. So yeah, rather than just looking at that end, I mean, six years, because you don't know when that end's going to be, right? There kind of is no finish. You have a product that you end up being happy with, but there is no finish line. So it's kind of going through. And, and for you, is it is it, do you have like daily kind of uh, goal setting or daily like, okay, checklist? Like, do you, are you like a post-it note guy of like, okay, this is what I should be expecting for the day? Or is it more of like a, a kind of a weekly breakdown of like, all right, by the end of the week, this is where I want things to be because these are the, these are the times that I'm going to be in the lab. And cause that's kind of constantly shifting, right? Your lab time kind of moves around. It's not always the same every day. It's, it's more or less the same. And, no, and okay. you know, I do both. I try to, I try to have a daily goal. Um, mm -hmm. What am I going to get done today? What does that look like in terms of like, you know, small, small manageable chunks that I can, you know, in this hour, I'm going to do this specific thing. And then mm -hmm. Next hour, I'm going to do that specific thing but I'd like to have this much done by the end of the week. Okay. You so know? it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like it's easier too when you kind of go through and you do the, the daily one or two things, it gives you just like a little bit of momentum that by, okay, these are what the goals were for the end of the week. And I feel like if you just write it all down at, at the beginning of the week or beginning of the day, like I need to get these 50 things done as you spoke to is just daunting, right? It's looking at two or three years down the line. You're like, Oh my God, this is like so many things to get done rather than, okay, here's just one little, one little chunk I can, I can kind of chip away at. And then you look at the end of the day, end of the month, end of the year. And it's boom, I finally uh, accomplished what I wanted to. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it is. It can become overwhelming to look at all 50 of those things on your list but it's all manageable. It's all doable. You just need to, to look at it individually. It's, it's been my experience. That's kind of how I think about getting through a, a task. Mm -hmm. Small yeah. amounts of progress every day. Small amounts of progress every day. That's definitely, uh, it's definitely a good approach. It's interesting because, you know, from some of the different people I've had on and stuff, some, they all have different uh, attitudes and, and approaches of how they like to kind of uh, uh, attack their day. But, you know, one thing that's always, the, the attitude is always um, very uh, similar, you know, as they've kind of gone on and you definitely have that, that uh, attitude that's uh, you definitely want to get things done and to, and you also are just that curiosity of understanding the, the function as you talked about a little bit earlier, like just kind of uh, that, that openness to, to learn and get that kind of 1% better. Absolutely. Where would you say for you, I mean, is that, is that, uh, who's kind of given you that, that influence? It doesn't have to be one. It could be few, it could be a few people. I mean, other than me. I mean, there's been so many people that have been <laughs> yeah. so influential in getting me here. Right? right. Um, probably, probably one of the biggest ones is my, um, my, uh, grad school advisor, mm -hmm. you know, she was there for me in my undergrad. She's been there for, as long as I can remember since before Gabby was born, even, um, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that I, I've, I've grown a lot in terms of my approach with, with her, with other people, but, you know, we started out with maybe monthly or quarterly meetings where it would be like, you know, what have you gotten done? What are mm -hmm. you going to do next? And then that, uh, as deadlines came up or, or just in general, we've, we, you know, we started to go, 
you know, weekly meetings or, you know, even, even when things were pretty hard daily meetings, uh, just to say, you know, are we getting this done? Are we mm-hmm. getting what we need to done in a reasonable amount of time? What did you do today? And um, bringing that attitude, you know, internalizing that attitude in a way um, yeah. so that it's not, and I, I love the idea and I, maybe I'll speak about it a little bit later, but, but having, having uh, like a team around you that mm-hmm. can help propel you forward, but um, being able to also have that sort of personal dialogue, am I getting enough done? Am I getting the right things done? Yeah. Is my time being used efficiently? Mm-hmm. And I, I learned a lot of that from my time with, uh, with my PhD advisor who would ask those questions. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's definitely great. And then it, it helps you, right? Because you're able to be like, okay, now I have this kind of sounding board. Well, here's where I am. Someone that understands, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to talk to mom or dad about like, Hey, so is this, how does this sound? Like, uh, sounds great. You know, to be able to have that sounding board that knows the specifics of what you're talking about and every day, like, Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. I mean, it seems like that, that definitely helps kind of propel the growth for you. Absolutely. Well, and, and the one thing that I wanted to say here is that, um, you know, they're really, maybe there's little things that are new that you're doing as a scientist, there are things that you're doing that are new, but as a human, there really aren't, you know, it's all been done before. Mm-hmm. And one of the big things that I've, I've tried to work on in my personal life in my professional life uh, in general is, is finding people who've done or have gone through successfully the things that I'm in the process of going through. Um, getting the opportunity to get advice from people who, who have, been there and done that. Right. You know, yeah. and, and the, the hardest thing for me is, is listening and then doing things based on what they said. Um, there's somewhere internally that ego that tells me I want to do it my way, but if my way clashes with a proven successful method, then maybe I need to reevaluate. Right. So that's something that I try to do as often as I run into even a minor hurdle is who's been through this, who's done what I'm trying to do. And, and how can you kind of apply that to, to your own? Um, that's definitely some, I mean, that sounds like some, some serious growth and definitely some good, some good learning because the ego does kind of love to uh, love to get in the way all the time. Right. It, it absolutely My way is going to work. I can do it. <laughs> and it feels good when it does work, but it doesn't it does. work that often. Yeah, that's, that's my way that's doesn't tough. work as often as, as finding people who've done it, you know, getting, mm-hmm. the, getting that experience is huge. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to have had that experience, but you do have to listen to those who do have that experience. Yeah. And so also kind of uh, building upon that, like the, you, you touched on a little bit earlier, like having having that team, having those different like sounding boards and everything else. I mean, it, it, it sounds, you know, especially in, in your field, it's such a collaboration all the way around, you know, it's more of a group effort and, uh, and also like the sharing of knowledge, right? I mean, you can't, if you're, if you're stuck on an island, you have all this information and if you don't reach out or have an open mind to, you know, some other fields or, um, you know, specialists, as you're talking about over in Germany to, to be able to fit that last puzzle piece in, then, you know, you're going to continue to bang your head against the wall for maybe another six months to find a problem that, uh, or, or to have found that solution that you could have had six months earlier. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for you going forward, I mean, how much, how much 
more do you can uh, plan on kind of continuing to to have that team like mentality? I mean, you feel like that's that's what, what works best for you and will, will kind of continue your growth. I don't I don't see that as something that uh, needs to go away at any point. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, I have a group of people in the in the community that I talk to about my you know, my chemistry related issues, but I also have people in the community that I talk to about uh, sort of more personal matters, and that's um, that's what I've found to be an effective way to uh, navigate all sorts of challenges in life. So I think that's just a, how I address the day to day. And also, I mean, I feel like that that helps uh, in the professional side of things that everyone gets to see like the whole picture of you, right? They're not just seeing like, all right, I clocked in. I'm only doing work-related stuff. This is it. This is my thing. Like, I feel like it, it allows people to to want to help and to see the full spectrum of like uh, who you are. And, you know, um, I think a lot of people, um, especially in this day and age with social media and everything else, want to see everyone fail, or at least that's like what their perspective is. Like, no one wants to see me succeed. But if you if you break it down and you have people that you can connect with and be open with and and share some vulnerable sides, they actually want to see most people want to see people succeed. At least that's been my experience. Sure. Maybe. I mean, I'm not a big social media guy, as you know, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so I don't I don't necessarily see or feel that that presence that you're talking about. But I do know that, um, you know, getting to have teammates in the, you know, in the field, out of the field is huge mm-hmm. for keeping your head in the game when things are hard for uh, celebrating your successes for, you know, learning from your failures. So. Definitely. So what do you think the, the future looks like for, I mean, what's next? I mean, you just spent all this time, you got this, this paper going, is it constantly a, a daily grind of, of working on something new or do you, do you allow yourself like, Hey, this paper's been submitted. I'm going to take a little bit of time or is there no downtime in your field? It's constantly on the go. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what downtime even really looks like, <laughs> Bob. Um, to me, it's, it's like, you know, you're always kind of redlining it a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's always, there's always more to learn. There's always more to be working on. Um, you know, are we coming up with new ideas mm-hmm. and that's not, that's not a, clock in, clock out, nine to five, that's every minute. Mm-hmm. You know, what can we do to improve upon what we were doing yesterday? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a lifestyle. That's not, um, that's not just about work. Right. No, absolutely. You definitely need to have that, that uh, mindset. And you definitely do that in your, in your personal life as well. You're always kind of getting that tinkering and trying to figure out the, the functions of things and uh, definitely, uh Work works for you. I mean, do you ever get concerned about a potential uh, burnout? Because I know that's one of those things in in the constant day to day of, of that. That there is the, uh, the possibility. I know a lot of people have uh, at least. You, I mean, I know that you have as well. Like skiing wise, and just in different fields, like people, there is that um, burnout uh, effect that can happen. I mean, what what do you try to do to keep keep things uh, fresh? Well, that's what's, you know, I mean, uh, to reference skiing real quickly, I think that was a huge learning experience for me is, is, you know, my career in skiing ended, uh, when I came to college, mm-hmm. but it had been more of a grind and less of, 
it was something that was fun for years before I stopped. And I did feel a lot of burnout then. Mm-hmm. And part of that burnout, I mean, it was all mental. It was all in my head, right? But what I didn't stop to do then was appreciate the minor successes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I didn't, didn't take a look at the, you know, that 1% growth, that day-to-day growth. Instead, I, I skied like all of a sudden one day I was going to go from where I was to Olympian level. Like there was some breakthrough moment where it was going to go from bad to amazing. If I just kept with it, mm-hmm. that's what I hoped to see. And that, that was never going to happen because mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is in my experience, not something that does happen. Um, you know, so now I do, I, I try to, I try to take a moment to appreciate those small gains, mm-hmm. no matter how small they are, they are a success. And I think that that's what has kept me from anything that looks like, uh, to avoid anyway, burnout. Um, yeah, I, I get tired. Like everybody, I get sick of it. Like everybody. Yeah. Uh, but you know, part of it, you just get in there and you grind. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all. Yeah. I mean, it it makes uh, a lot of, you know, also at the same time, you did not have quite the, uh, the downhillers body at like, you know, five, 750 pounds. I don't think you were going to, you know, get down the hill there. No, I think that, I think that I weighed in at less than that when I was done skiing, it was never, it was never going to be great, Bob. Well, it sounds like you got a a lot of fun stuff kind of uh, coming down the pipeline, a lot of, uh, exciting uh exciting things ahead my man so i look forward to uh to seeing what happens in the future and hopefully uh the next time we'll be able to do this in person hopefully uh you know come down here i'll be able to go up there once i get the studio kind of all dialed in and everything else it'll be uh it'll be good yeah man yeah all right. Uh, if everyone, they want to check you out, uh, they get a, a website or something like that. Uh, people can kind of look up to oh. check out the research. I mean, it needs some serious uh, updating, but uh, yeah, you can find me at samuelpbernhard.com. Um, I, I have a LinkedIn, but that's like as close as I have to an internet presence. So and I know that's got to be all you got. So yeah, that is all I got. Either. There you I'll go. Deal with all that. <laughs> <laughs> got work to do, man. <laughs> I know you too. All right, my man. Well, uh, thanks for taking the time, and I'll uh, I'll let you get back to work. I really appreciate it. All right, buddy. Keep up the good work. It was good talking to you. All right. Bye, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks a lot for listening in. I really appreciate it. Please make sure to take the time to like, share, and subscribe our show. And also, you can follow along on Instagram. Thanks.